Hey, welcome back to the Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, and uh, as always, joining you for our bi-weekly podcast. We drop it twice every week. If you haven't yet subscribed, do that. Go to Apple iTunes, subscribe, and uh, you'll get notified every time we drop a podcast. And you know, as indicated, this is for everything for guys before, during, and after divorce and everything related to family law. And today is no different. We're joined by Andrew up in uh, South Carolina. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Good to be here. Hey, thanks. Let's talk about something. And uh, it's called something different everywhere. You know, I'm licensed in Missouri, Illinois, and Georgia, and all three states may reference this part of family law in a different way. For example, in Missouri, uh, they call it a, a PDL or pendite lite, temporary hearing. Kind of, so wherever guys are, wherever you are listening, let's talk about and explain what is a temporary hearing in family law. Yeah, so down in South Carolina, uh, where I practice, uh, we call it a temporary hearing. We use some of the same language that's in Latin in our motions and and things of that nature, but we generally just call it a temporary hearing, and it's usually the first interaction um, that any litigant is going to have in their family court case uh, with the court, and it's going to kind of set the tone for the case and set the tone for how the litigation is going to go Um, until you have your final order, final hearing. And so really, uh, you think about it, uh, you know, and it varies, obviously, not only state to state, but by jurisdiction, locale. You know, I'm thinking in Atlanta, sometimes we could get a temporary hearing very, very rapidly, while here, uh, maybe, well, you know, take COVID out of the mix. You know, I could have been doing something within 30 to 45 days, but it really is more or less an expedited hearing, sometimes for emergencies? Yeah, so again, it varies, and obviously COVID uh, playing a big factor in things um, the last year and a half, but generally I tell my clients to expect about a little over a month for when they can hope to get into a temporary hearing and, and kind of get the court uh, the court's opinion on certain issues pretty quickly. Um, again, like you mentioned, there are some emergency circumstances that would allow a client or uh, some parties to get in a little quicker. That could be something like um, one of the parents taking the child out of state. Um, if if something happens with abuse or neglect, just anything in the court size would be viewed as an emergency could get you in faster. Um, I know in some of the counties around Charleston here for emergency hearings, um, they have hearings, I think every day at like 11 a.m. or what have you. Um, so depending on what a judge deems an emergency, they can get you in quite a bit faster. But on just a general case, I tell people it's usually about a month, month and a half Mm -hmm. um, with that, you know, having some leeway. Yeah, and there are, you know, I always say my expedited, when I was, you know, thinking about it, uh, typically happened um, during back to school issues where uh, kids are maybe you know, parents changing a school or moving them and you know there's no consent into that regard and so you may have this expedited hearing but really the key is preparation isn't it yeah so the key uh, for any temporary hearing is being prepared both you know as an attorney and as the client um, whenever you're going into a temporary hearing you want to get together for your client you're going to have an affidavit and that's usually going to have some exhibits that you attach with it and the affidavit basically sets out to the court Um, the first introduction to the case from your point of view. So if there's things that you want to make the court aware of, um, be it, you know, uh, employment or I've been the one primarily caring for the child in a child custody case, uh, those are things that you're going to put in your affidavit. 
and you're also going to include in some exhibits to the affidavit that the court will look at uh, things like pay stubs, things like you know child's grades, stuff like that, if you want to include it for the court to look at. And in South Carolina, at least, these exhibits can only really be introduced uh, by reference of the affidavit itself. And, and I think you mentioned that, uh, the, the, I guess, the precarious nature of these temporary hearings is, one, you do a lot of preparation yourself, but you really don't know what the other side's going to present because you're only exchanging the affidavits the day of or shortly before court. Yeah, exactly. So in South Carolina, uh, we call it, you know, trial by ambush. Uh, so basically, the day of the temporary hearing, you know, both parties know that they're going to be going in and speaking to the judge, presenting their case, but you don't really, like you said, know what the other side is going to be bringing and what they're going to be saying. Um, your client uh, hopefully has informed you of everything, and I think that's why it's best to, as an attorney, get all the information you can from your client. But the fact of the matter is the affidavits aren't really exchanged between the two parties until you know maybe a few minutes before the hearing. So uh, that's why it's good for clients and attorneys really to have an open dialogue between each other of saying like, listen, I, I need to know absolutely everything that is going on in your life, is going on with this case that could be brought up. And that way I can be prepared because it's better to you know, know what we could potentially see or what has sprung on us rather than walking into this thing, having only seen you know, some information uh, maybe a few minutes before. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, in my early life, I was doing federal practice and and in federal court, you know all the witnesses, you know all the evidence, you know all the exhibits, and so there's really no surprise. Unlike family here, at least here in Missouri, at any given time during a trial, they could present a witness that we are not, we didn't know about. Uh, there was no requirement to disclose them. So you do have to be prepared and kind of be thinking on your feet. And obviously in a temporary hearing, that's why preparation has to be keys because you you know I'll always say what's the worst thing that they can ever say about you and what's the one person or a number of people that would come in and testify against you and you really make the client think so that we can be prepared for anything and I think that's why talking about preparation is key but more importantly there are times when in preparation you have to submit a financial affidavit is that right yeah, so in every um, family court case in South Carolina, you are required to do what's called a financial declaration. Uh, the first time you'll do one of these will be at the temporary hearing, and uh, as the case progresses, you also have to kind of update this and make sure it's accurate. Um, this is basically just an outline of everything financially going on in your life, expenses, um, income, health insurance, things of that nature, and it is a sworn affidavit. So. You have to be as accurate as possible and truthful as possible because if it comes out later that things aren't quite as they seem, that can obviously hurt your case. The judge will harp on that or, or you'll lose credibility to the judge. And usually we like to accompany these with a, uh, a pay stub or something of that to help prove that what you're looking at is the most accurate depiction of the financial circumstances for this client. Interesting, as you mentioned, you know, the preparation obviously leads itself into the hearing and judges, I've always said in these seminars I give around the country, uh, that judges are derailed by emotion. Uh, they are your jury, and which means that, as you mentioned, if you make a mistake, I've always been of the opinion that, especially here in Missouri, is you have a one judge, one family concept, which every hearing is held before that judge, from a orders of protection, to temporary hearings, to final hearings, to modifications. So, 
you walk into this temporary hearing and if the judge thinks you're a liar and you're trying to deceive them, they will remember. I, they have a very long-term memory about yeah. individuals they don't like. And so it is important uh, to present, I've always said about representing guys, it's about appearance and presentation. How do you look and how do you prepare and how do you present? And guys don't have an opportunity to make mistakes. It's, it's just the nature of the beast about being a guy. And so, you know, making sure that your testimony is refined, that's a big mistake. I think family law practitioners make is not adequately preparing their clients. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. So like everything you said here in South Carolina, uh, we usually actually don't have the same judge. So on a temporary hearing, you could be before judge A and then at the next you could be before judge B. Um, so that can be, you know, a double-edged sword in one way. Like you said, if you have a client where he acts out or something like that, the judge is going to remember that. But also on the flip side, if you have a different judge every time, you need to remember you need to be on your best behavior, really. And I, I tell every client before we go into temporary hearing, like, you know, no matter what happens, they're, they're going to mainly be asking and talking to the attorneys, uh, but you are present in the room. The judge is a human and they are going to see your body language and how you react to things. So if the other attorney says something that, you know, you don't agree with or you believe is just totally untrue, um, try to just, you know, let it wash over you. Don't really react or, or laugh or, or anything like this and just try to remain you know, still and calm and very professional the whole time because the judge, like you said, is going to notice this thing and these things, and that's going to probably and likely affect their decision when it comes to making a temporary or a ruling or even further down the case if you run into that judge again. And they're, they're just as important. I know we, the word temporary maybe gives the wrong um, connotation because it's a mini trial on some of the issues, and it could be on support, it could be on custody. But thinking, especially in COVID, if you're having a temporary hearing, some of our cases that otherwise would have been completed in six to eight months on average are now probably 16 to 24 or more. And so now you may be underneath a, uh, an order that is, you know, a, not a final or at least enforceable during the entire duration of the case, albeit probably modifiable. But I think it's that's the understanding is that you know, don't be confused by temporary. Maybe it's just we should you know, name it an, a, you know, an interim, you know, meaning that it is something that can be very dangerous if it's not handled appropriately because you may be living with an order you don't like, the result being by, because of facts or preparation. And so it is, I mean, you go to hearing, judge issues an order, and you have to follow it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, it is modifiable to some degree, but it is what your life is going to look like until you get to a final hearing. In South Carolina, it's not supposed to be determinative of the outcome, but it's, if you have a temporary hearing in place, so like you said, with COVID for, you know, much longer than would be the case before the pandemic, you know, 18 months, something of that nature. Um, if you have a temporary order in place for that long mm -hmm. and, you know, things go well, the judge can say, okay, well, this is working. We're going to maybe stick with something similar. Um, and again, it's not supposed to be, well, the temporary hearing is what your life's going to be like know after the final order but it can really still weigh on what it's looking like at that point on the flip side of that if you know we have a temporary order where there's spousal support and alum or uh, and child support and custody or visitation but things don't go well and if the client or the other side is not paying um, spousal support or not paying child support or 
there's visitation that's being missed and the child not being given over consistently, that can have the opposite effect. So the judge could say, well, this clearly isn't working. Maybe we need to go down a different path that looks very different or is much more, I don't want to say punitive, but much yeah. more against the parent not following the order on a temporary basis. Yeah, I mean, it can be a very offensive or a very defensive posture, depending upon what you do and the result. Uh, you know, you could get a custody order that you're very, very satisfied with, and it sets uh, the status quo for 10 months, and it, you're yeah. in such a better position. So I think the message today really is don't underestimate or devalue the importance of a temporary hearing or even using it. I, 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 I know I'm aware of a lot of family lawyers that don't even want to do a temporary hearing. I think there's a lot of value in it. I think yeah. you do have to weigh that with your attorney because it, there can be negatives to it, uh, especially if the facts aren't on your side. Uh, so it's important. So, Andrew, thanks for uh, joining and enlightening us on what a temporary hearing is and it applies across the country. Just call it something different. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to help out and glad to talk. Well, if you want to set up a consultation, that is really the only place to get really good advice and get any advice because this is not one of them. Give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW. Find us on the web, cordellcordell.com, and on social media. We're across all items of social media. You can check this out. And go to the YouTube channel. You can just Google Cordell Cordell YouTube channel. You're going to find a lot of information. Our town halls, our virtual town halls are recorded as well as these podcasts sitting right there. I guarantee you're going to find a topic that affects you with a lot of information and good education. Uh, find a lawyer that practices exclusively in family law like we do here at Cordell Cordell. Give us a call, 866 Law. And until next time, have a great week.